hello and welcome to Solo Sisters. I'm Erica. And I'm Kerr. And today we're doing something a little different. Um, we decided to change the structure, <laughs> like, completely. Um, so from now on, unless we, like, have a topic on our brain that we really want to talk about, uh, for the most part we'll be doing, like, a Bible study? Question mark? Sure, yeah. Yeah. Ish. Yeah. We will, <laughs> if... If it's not too long, we'll read a chapter out and then just talk about it. Yeah. So we're starting with 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and we'll go until it's over, I guess. And <laughs> <laughs> then figure out the next book. Yeah, I guess. But will you have? Uh, I'll have a human by the time we're done with 1 Corinthians. That's what I thought. Yeah. That's weird. It is weird. So there might be like a... A couple week break randomly. Oh, yeah. Just know that I've hatched a human. <laughs> You've hatched a human. <laughs> well, I feel like um, as my internship is coming to a close, I've just been so busy too trying to get everything in order for the my client's new counselor mm-hmm. that I haven't even uploaded the thing that we last recorded. Eh, it's okay. So I'm preparing you guys for the couple week break or the few week break. Uh, that will take when Chris her baby. Go. It's just a, just a prep period. Yeah. <laughs> uh, be ready in and out of season, as they say. Correct. Um, they yeah. meaning Jesus, you know. <laughs> the, the Bible. <laughs> uh, the Trinity. Um, anyway, let's get into it. So we're just going to start by reading the whole chapter. Dozer. <laughs> Please stop. You're distracting oh your mother. This <laughs> tail. I can't. <sighs> okay, sorry. What was I saying? We're just going to read the whole chapter first, and then we'll divvy it up into its little parts and such. And talk about Yeah. Cool. Okay. Go for it. First Corinthians 1, starting in verse 1. Paul called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother, this guy. Sothenes. Can't pronounce his name. To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given to you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you were not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless, in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ, God is faithful, by whom you were called in the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there are quarreling among, among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? 
Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and the other guy, so that no one may say that you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the house of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and with not, not with eloquent words of wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is a power of God, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has God... Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man, and the weakness of God is stronger than man. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you who were wise not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful, not many were noble were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are. Hmm. So that no human being might boast in the presence of God, and because of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Okay, so uh, I thought we should start with just like his little, (laughs) pardon, Paul's little intro, because I think there's some really key snippets in there that are important to understand for even the rest of the entire book. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that he specifies that he's um, he is only an apostle by the will of God. Mm-hmm. There was nothing awesome about him. There was nothing that like pre-qualified him to be an apostle. There wasn't anything extraordinary about him other than the fact that God that Jesus came to him and chose him for whatever reason for this specific role for the building up of the church right and that's just so cool to me because knowing Paul knowing his history of persecuting Christians of murdering Christians of knowing the law very thoroughly And yet he counts it as nothing because he knows that it was God's will to bring him to himself. And I just think that's so, it's so wild to think about. Like, especially when you are in church culture for so long, Paul's just one of the guys you talk about. Mm -hmm. But once you like, once you really process who he was and who he is now... He's just such an amazing character to reflect on of, like, where you once were, your past sins, don't have to be held to you. They can be all erased in Christ. And it's just so cool to think about. Well, like, not to jump ahead, but 
skipping to verse 8, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Like, if you've grown up in the church or if you have any sort of knowledge on the life of Paul, you know that he was, he killed Christians before he himself became one. Mm-hmm. And for him to be able to to stand and say that you are guiltless before the Lord Jesus Christ because of what he's done for you, I think maybe knowing a little bit about him, how sweet those words are to him. Yeah. To pen them. Yes. Absolutely. It's so cool to think about. I also thought it was cool that in this intro, um, he talks about um, specifically addressing the believers, those Mm -hmm. who are sustained by Christ, those who are called saints who are chosen by God himself. And I think it's it's important to recognize, like, he's addressing these people who are believers, who are saved, who belong to Christ. Mm-hmm. And, but the rest of the letter is pretty much Paul addressing all of their issues. Right. <laughs> And all of their sins and how to live in harmony with one another Mm -hmm. and what Christ asks of his people. And I just think it's so, maybe this isn't like totally shocking or anything, but it's just so interesting to think about that he addresses them as the chosen ones first and every sin issue that he's about to address in the rest of the book doesn't nullify the fact that they're saved. It doesn't change who who they are before Christ. But the rest of this letter is simply him addressing how that they can how they can be sanctified mm-hmm. in Christ and how mm-hmm. that they can be unified with one another. Cuz I think people I think the majority of Christians only have like a half understanding of the gospel mm-hmm. that um Yes, by grace through faith you've been saved, and that's not of your own doing, but it is the work of God in you, and that's, that is groundbreaking, that's amazing, but it also doesn't stop there. Christ continues to be with us and to sanctify us and to conform us into the image of his Son, and um, which also brings about fellowship with one another, it brings about reconciliation with one another. So I think we just, we don't do the gospel justice when we just say, yes, by grace, you've been saved, Mm -hmm. which like, yes, that's amazing. Yeah. And that should like blow our freaking minds that (laughs) the Lord would even want to give us grace. But it should blow our minds even more that he wants to make us a holy people. He wants to continue to um, work in our souls so that we can have an even greater understanding of who he is. Right. Because if you, if you just stop at, oh, Jesus saved me. Cool. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get the fullness of himself. You're not going to understand like how profound it is that by grace you are saved without being sanctified in that. So even like Correcting little sins, confessing them and <laughs> repenting of them, and 
being told through the word, like, this is a sin that these people struggle with, and you probably do too. Right, right. (laughs) And just because people struggle with, like, a particular sin, if when they are uh, maybe told about it, or called to repentance, or convicted of it, or whatever, if, if they repent, then you know that you have a brother or a sister in Christ. Yeah. Because the Christian's life is marked by really two things, is repentance and forgiveness. Yeah. Repentance to the Lord for our sins and forgiveness for other people who trespass against us. Mm -hmm. And it's a constant thing. You can't repent if you don't sin. Mm -hmm. So really, the Christian's life is trying to mortify sin by repenting, by turning away from it, accepting that God forgives you, and then taking that same forgiveness for the sins that you have committed against God and against others toward other people when they commit sins against you and against the Lord as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. And it it has to be in this secular, cyclical kind of fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of Christians understand that, like, they themselves are sinful. Mm-hmm. But then when others sin against them, it's like... You question everything about that other person because you have such high standards for sure. other believers yeah. in your life. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, you, you can't have repentance without sin. If And so if you are constantly repenting, that means you're constantly sinning. Mm-hmm. And just because you sin doesn't mean that you're no longer a believer. But if you are living in sin unrepentant, mm-hmm. then maybe you can, that question can come up. But right, we all need people to convict us and... Uh, the Lord especially, well, is the only one that can really truly bring conviction to us and cause us to repent. But um, we need people in our lives that will do that for mm-hmm. us. Yes, exactly. And that's what Paul's doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, something that stood out to me was verse 2, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who carry in every place, call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Um He's writing to the church of Corinth, expecting them to be believers. And so mm-hmm. when you think of like uh, like the New Testament's definition of the church, it's made up of believers. It's assumed that they are believers. Right. And so church, per Paul, per scripture, is for the believer. And sure, unbelievers can be in there, and I think they should, mm-hmm. but it's not... Like, we do church for non-believers. You do church for the believer to strengthen them and enrich them and to uh, encourage them to go make disciples and bring them into churches. But mm-hmm. you don't dumb your sermons down or uh, make this any less convicting or try to make it less convicting for the unbeliever. Right. You preach as if you have believers sitting in your congregation and you write your sermon for believers in the congregation and expect the Holy Spirit to convict the believer and the non-believer alike. Mm-hmm. I think I think in America, too, we just have a misunderstanding of the word church in itself. Mm-hmm. As we think of it maybe as the place where you go to worship your God um, as opposed to the bride of Christ and how, like, there literally cannot be unbelievers in the church because Christ isn't married to unbelievers. Right, right. 
So when we say the word church, we are only talking about believers. And like, sure, like, in terms of like, inviting people to church like your building or your place of meeting yeah 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 there can be non-believers there but they're not a part of the church right right and i think that's really important to specify because there's too many churches in the world today that say something along the lines of like the church is for unbelievers or the church is to serve the world so that they can know Christ. Mm-hmm. Like, sure, that's a subsequent um, reality of being the church, but the goal of the church is to glorify Christ. And that's it. And uh, sure, out of that, there can be works to serve the poor or like a pregnancy crisis center or something like that and that's awesome and i think christ does call us to that but if we're not first and foremost trying to glorify him and know his gospel and share his gospel anything outside of that doesn't mean anything mm-hmm. yeah and i think a lot of churches are falling for that um what's the word the humanitarian worldview mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Of, like, we need to take care of these people and serve them and blah, 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 blah. But do you ever share the gospel with them? Right. And I don't I don't see a lot of so-called churches these days actually being bold enough to share the gospel, unfortunately. You got any more for the, the intro? I don't think so. Okay, cool. And um, if you have your Bible in front of you... We're kind of, kind of, we're going to break it up, break up this chapter based on, like, how most Bibles do break this up. So then the, our next section that we're going to talk about is verses 4 through 9. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I read out of the ESV. Yours is ESV? Okay. Mm-hmm. Fabulous. But you can use whatever version you want. Yeah, I'm sure they're kind of, it's kind of divided up pretty similar regardless of your version, unless you have... Some pagan version or something. <laughs> if you have the passion the, version, yeah. If you're using the passion, just throw that ish away. I'm not. I'll pay for, for a new Bible for you. Yeah, uh-huh, for real. I'll go buy you a Bible. I'm not typically oh, for book funny. burnings, but you can definitely throw that one in a fireplace. <laughs> um. Anyway, so four through then, nine. Four through nine. So this section, um, I really enjoy how Paul is really relational in this section. (laughs) Sorry, my dog is like having the time of his life with his toys. And he's just wagging his tail and it's hitting the table and he's (laughs) chewing and anyway, He just wants to be included. (laughs) (sighs) Anyway. Sweet guy. He's fine. Um, um, this section specifically, I just love how relational Paul is with Mm. these believers. Mm -hmm. He's clearly spent some amount of time with them and he knows some of them because he, he thanks God whenever he remembers them. Yeah. And I just think that language is really profound because I'm definitely not thankful when I'm just remembering people i know (laughs) 
sometimes I'm just like, ugh, I forgot about that person. She's so annoying or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, and he's even, he's even, like, a little upset with them because mm-hmm. of how they're treating one another, and yet he's still explaining how thankful he is for them. Yeah. And that, um, he's thankful that this body is diverse, and he's thankful for the grace given to this body. Mm. And I think that's so fascinating. Like, how often are we thankful that grace has been given to other believers in our lives? And, like, how relational are we? Are we actually spending time with fellow believers, or are we more complaining about other believers? Mm. And I'm, whenever I read uh, one of Paul's epistles, I'm always convicted of that, of, like, how much he sincerely loves all these different believers, regardless mm-hmm. of their issues, and maybe, like, his annoyances. <laughs> yeah. He still is, he still loves them a whole freaking lot, and I just think that's so cool. Yeah, I like that he opens up with his, like, his letter with, like, these are my credentials. I was called by Christ. Um, and then he goes right into Thanksgiving and reminds them of um, how, like, reminds them of the gospel that they say that they believe. Mm-hmm. And he just reiterates it. Um, like, uh, that you're not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ? God is faithful, by whom you were called into fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And how many times he just mentions his Jesus within the first nine verses is just amazing. And at first, like, when I was reading it earlier out loud just for this episode, I was like, did I go back to a line by accident because of how many times I was saying (laughs) Jesus Christ? But I just love that, obviously... Jesus is at the, the center of all of his letters and everything that he does because he lives solely to give God glory and to preach the gospel of Christ and to remind believers of the gospel that they have accepted and, and confess. Yes. It's yeah. pretty cool. But yeah, I also just like the order of that section too. He reminds them of the gospel first and that, um, that they've been given grace by Jesus and that because they've been given grace... Jesus will also be the one to sustain them. And because Jesus sustains them, they will remain guiltless Mm -hmm. in Christ. Mm -hmm. And because of that, they can have fellowship with one another in Christ. Right. And just that continual um, progressive sanctification right there is really cool. But it's all focused on Christ. Mm -hmm. It's nothing in the Corinthians' ability to sustain themselves or to remain guiltless. But it's all because of what Christ has done for them. Right. It's because Christ has revealed himself to them and is going to continue to reveal himself and they have to wait for that revealing. But it's not the Corinthians that were faithful. It's by God who is faithful. Right. And that they were called into fellowship um, with one another and with really, most importantly, Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I just love that he reminds them of that. Right before he, like, it's like a soft 
lead up into his <laughs> conviction talk. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Exactly. Because then he's about to lay down the law yeah. of like, <laughs> all right, now that we know that Christ is going to keep you, he's not going to just like throw you away because of your issues, let's talk about your issues. <laughs> right, right. And if you repent of these issues that I'm going to explain to you throughout the next however many pages he had to write, um, like, don't worry because... If you, since you are the true church who has been sanctified by Christ Jesus, then you will remain guiltless because God is faithful and he won't mm-hmm. lose you from his hand. He can't. Mm-hmm. And, um, I don't know, I just, I like that, like, I don't know, I just really like how he is so encouraging to them before he <laughs> lays the into them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like how he addresses this section too because you can uh, you can definitely sense his like sass in it too Mm -hmm. he definitely uses rhetorical questions a lot (laughs) and i just think it's so funny so in this specific section verses 10 through 17 ish right Mm -hmm. he's calling these believers to be unified in the same mind and the same judgment and i thought those words were really interesting because being of the same mind, it would be like having the same thought processes through certain things that they believe in, um, the same foundational truths, mm-hmm. and also the same judgment of one another, of the world and sin, and being able to judge these things appropriately. And to be unified in that. Um, But he calls them to be unified because they're arguing about their favorite leaders, essentially. And, like, who maybe brought them into the church Mm -hmm. or who baptized them into the faith and things like that. Yeah. And I just love Paul's, like, little parentheses. He's like, I did baptize also the house of Stephanus. But beyond that, I don't know whether I baptize anyone else. But he's like, he thanks God that he baptized none of none of them. Yes. So they they can't go so in depth with this, um, kind of argument that they're having and these right. quarrels that they're having with one another because he didn't do anything. Yeah. Like it's not by him dunking people or however they did it back then um, that they were saved. Right. It's by their confession of Christ that they were saved. Right. And I just think it's interesting, too, because even, like, in the church today, we always talk about, like, our favorite pastors or Mm -hmm. the pastors who, like, really convicted us of our sin or whatever. And, like, there's nothing wrong with that. And I think we should be thankful for the pastors and shepherds and elders that the Lord has brought to us. Um... So that we can hear the word. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything wrong with saying, oh, Pastor so-and-so actually told me the gospel for the first time or something like that. But it's also important to remember, like, it wasn't necessarily them, but the spirit working through them. And um, I think that's where we get lost sometimes because it's so easy just to look at the person and be like, oh, 
I love how this person shares the gospel in this sort of way or something like that. But it's just the spirit, um, I suppose, like diversifying, <laughs> if that's an appropriate word to use, in terms of like reaching different types of people by different means, but with the same gospel, if right. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, these believers, even though they're boasting in these different leaders and talking about how awesome they are, regardless of what they've done, and knowing like the records that we have of these leaders, specifically in these verses, they're, they've done a lot of great things for the Lord. Mm-hmm. But at the same time... They were loving these people more than Christ. And that's where the problem lies. And in that, because they were boasting in Apollos or Cephas or whatever, they're actually boasting in themselves because they're saying, oh, this leader did this for me and blah, blah, blah. I heard the gospel from them. And now look where I am as a believer or something like that. It's like some kind of spiritual authority based off of... It's like a favoritism game. Yeah. And if you're under the, like, the congregational's favorite, then you have more authority than those who are right. baptized yeah. under other people that maybe aren't the top-notch person. Right. So it really has nothing to do with those leaders particularly, but really in, like, each member who's boasting in these people. Mm-hmm. Because that's where the pride is actually lying. Right. Because these leaders were still used by God. It wasn't like they were doing anything absurd or incorrect. Mm-hmm. They were all godly men. But because of the hearts of the people who were boasting in them, that's where the problem was. So then Paul even says himself, he's like, I'm so glad I didn't baptize any of you idiots. <laughs> <laughs> because then you could boast in me, and I definitely don't want you to boast in right, me. Right, right. And then also, like... Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. And so, if we're trying to use these, like, big big words, or we try to sound super smart or whatever, then are we boasting in our power, or are we boasting in the power that Christ, through his spirit, gave us to believe in him, and to right. accept him, and um, to live a life of repentance and forgiveness of one another, and... I just, like, I love this. Like, it, it is sassy. Like, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just these, like, rhetorical questions that he's asking that are probably going to spark conviction in other people. Mm-hmm. But, right. But you do see that today, like, uh, with MacArthur's church. Sure. Or maybe, like, Vody Bauckham. Like, people love to, to boast in the people that they listen to, which mm-hmm. is, like, it's good to be proud of the people that you listen to because... You should trust them. But also at the same time, there's no way for you to genuinely, truly know their heart. Sure, like, You yeah. don't even know your own heart. How many times in the book of Psalms do we see David yes. plead with God to yeah. show him and um, to tell him of his own heart and to search him and things like that? And so if you don't even know your own heart, how you do? How do you know somebody else's? And so if, mm-hmm. if you're getting caught up in the person that's preaching it instead of the person that they're preaching about, which hopefully it's Christ, yeah. then I think you have your priorities in in a faulty place, and we're all subject to it. We all get we all get there because we have this like 
maybe maybe just in America. I don't really know, but uh, for most of the Western world, um, like celebrities mean so much to us. And for the Christians, like we have celebrity people in the church. Yes. And yeah. mm-hmm. um, sometimes we might get caught up in that and uh, maybe boast in who we like and maybe even put ourselves above other people. It's like. Oh, you just have a scroll Bible? Like, I have the MacArthur. Or, you know, whatever. Or, mm-hmm. you like Wayne Grudem? I'm more of a John Frame guy. Like, just, you know, trying to, to puff yourself up by who you... Right. Who you follow, I guess, for lack of a better word, or whatever. But Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like, whoever gave the person that is preaching the gospel, should they truly be saved, whoever gave them that power also gave you the power to understand what they're saying. So the same Holy Spirit is working in both of you. So mm-hmm. it levels the playing field. There yes, is no way exactly. for you to boast because that person wasn't crucified for you. That person wasn't, you weren't baptized in that person's name, like what, is, like what Paul is getting at. Uh-huh. I think that's so important for us to remember too because a lot of our maybe more American churches can get caught up in that. Oh, yeah, for sure. It reminds me of um, a Charles Spurgeon quote Mm. where he says something along the lines of, this is definitely a paraphrase, but he's like, "Um, um, when people criticize you or tell you how awful you are, you should basically tell them, Bruh, I'm a lot worse than yeah. what you're talking about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I just think that's so interesting because mm-hmm. we definitely don't think that way. And in the same passage, they it's almost like, especially as Paul continues in this chapter, that they think of them themselves as wise by who they follow or that perhaps they... They're gaining some sort of, um, some sort of intelligence or knowledge based on what they've learned from their favorite leader. Mm-hmm. And then Paul just totally obliterates that in the next <laughs> section, and he's just yeah. like, um, verse twenty, where is the one who is wise? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like he. Has, God, has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? That's right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they are trying to claim some sort of wisdom or knowledge or something of themselves in the same way that the world claims wisdom. And Paul's telling them, no, y'all are a bunch of, bunch of fools. Mm-hmm. And it's like all the mm-hmm. wisdom that you need is in the gospel. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. We preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles. But those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ to the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Mm-hmm. Like, it is just... the. I don't care how smart you are, earthly. I mean, I think it's pretty cool. I think smart people are really interesting, and I'm like, how does your brain work like that? Uh-huh. <laughs> but, um, like, Elon Musk... I'm fascinated by how his brain works. I just think he is one of the smartest people on the planet. And still, compared to God, even in the most foolishness of God, even God's most foolish time, God is still 
far wiser than I know. Elon Musk it's will ever a, be. That's and, such an interesting analogy that Paul mm-hmm. uses right there because <laughs> he's very bold in saying <laughs> the foolishness of God. Because there's no such thing, truly, but if we right. were to use some sort of analogy to understand, like, even the wisest or the smartest of men, we would say it's nothing compared to even the foolishness of God. Right. That <laughs> just, like, blows my mind to think about a little Like, bit. it is just so weird to think about, too, that because I have the Holy Spirit and because Elon Musk has not repented and accepted Christ as Lord... I am considered wiser than him mm-hmm. because I have Christ, right. because I have the knowledge of Christ. And I'm not going to say that I'm smarter than him because I am not, but I have more wisdom, and wisdom is only given by the Lord. That's right. Yeah. I just, uh, I think it's so funny that he, that Paul reminds these people too that God chose you in spite of how smart you are or Uh how wise you are. Mm -hmm. And it's only through them knowing Christ that they can claim any wisdom at all. Right, he even goes, like, skipping to verse 26, he's even like, not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. (laughs) Like, some of you guys are really dumb. Like, big stupid. Uh But God chose you because of his wisdom and Uh because of his power and because of his strength, not anything that you've done. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And then I love how he ends the section. I'm pretty sure it's a quote from the Psalms. Let let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hmm. It might be. I also might be making that up or mixing it up with something else I'm thinking of. Um, Let me see. But I just love how he ends that whole section. Like, if you're going to boast in anything, because humans can't help themselves but to boast in something, boast in the Lord. Mm-hmm. Because he did all of these things for you. And, like, you can go back to the beginning of the letter. Like, look at me. God chose me as an apostle when I was murdering his people. And look at you. You guys have no qualifications either. There's no wisdom in any of you. And yet you can boast in the Lord because he chose you. He's sustaining you. He's forgiven you of your sins. And he calls you to fellowship with one another. And it's all by his power. Nothing in you. So therefore, boast in the Lord. Mm. Because what he says is way better than anything that y'all can say. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, it came from uh, Jeremiah 9, 23, and 24. Okay, okay. But I am sure there's something in Psalms that says this, because how many times does the Lord need to <laughs> tell us the sounds, same thing? I know, it just sounds like something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 23 and 24 of Jeremiah chapter 9 says, This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom, or the strong boast of their strength, or the rich boast of their riches. But let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. Ooh, I got chills. That's cool. And my references also say that Paul says the same quote again in Second Corinthians chapter 10. So mm-hmm. obviously... The Corinthians really needed to hear that over and over. <laughs> yeah. Just like we do. 
But anyway. I think that's all I have. I think that's all I have, too. <laughs> Obviously, there's more in here. Mm-hmm. But that's all we want to talk about. Yeah. And we'll just do, like, a chapter a week or something like that. Yeah. And then if there's, like, something that comes up, I don't know, maybe in the world or in uh-huh. our brains we want to do a topical thing on, we can. Yeah. If World War Three actually starts, we'll, we'll do an episode <laughs> <Yeah>. on that. <laughs> but I know that, like, I'm getting tired of hearing about politics. I'm getting tired of talking about politics. I'm getting tired of talking about all this stuff. And I just need a good old-fashioned Bible study. Mm-hmm. So. So feel free to join us. Yes. Um, all right. So thanks for listening to this week's episode. Hope you learned something new, and as always, all glory be to Christ. Bye. Later.